Alright, this week, we're fucking throwing a curveball at you guys. I know most of my guests are professional skateboarders or people that work in the skateboard industry, but this week, I'm throwing it 180. Uh, my lady introduced me to Philip Deal. Philip Deal is a classically trained dancer. He performed on Broadway. He was the Nutcracker. He trained with Russians since he was the age of 10 and danced. A very disciplined, focused individual who also got into sex education and being a porno star. It's quite the story. Philip was open, honest, just very genuine person. I'm really thankful I got to have this conversation. I know it's outside the box of skateboarding and a little different, but it really inspired me. His And just learning everything about his story really got me hyped. And I'm excited to share it to you. And if you make it to the end of the podcast, you're going to be excited because he gives me five tips on how to be a better lover. And they're all so legit and have applied into my life. Also, I have some updates about the New England Am contest at Skater's Edge. We're going to do a Gap to Hub a Best Trick. Um, I'm looking for sponsors to sponsor it, make it an awesome event, take some of the cash, and give it out for epic tricks. So, you know, kick with a 5-0, here's 50 bucks, that was gnarly. You know, backtail fakie, here, here's 100 bucks, that was insane. Uh, I just feel like that will make the event so rad, and there's so many killers that are in New England that are shredding, and there's so many people that come to New England and are going to be involved with this year. Last year was insane. So this year we're going to make it even better. So I'm hyped. Stay tuned. Good things are on the way. This is <laughs> the Shepard Show. Show. Whatever you do, you have one thing that's unique. You have the ability to make up. And when things get tough, this is what you should do. Microphone check. One, two, one, two. Microphone check. One, two, one, two. I hope they get it. I'm sick of explaining history. I'm rolling with a circle of winners. We claim the victories. Yeah, yeah, come on. It's about to be the realest shit you ever heard. We're in a transitional world right now. Yeah, it's just basically going for it, you know. Sometimes I don't think about getting hurt or slamming, but, you know, it happens. It's skateboarding. You know, it happens every day. Yeah. People are worried about skateboarding and the state of the industry. Yeah. The truth is, we are the industry. Yeah. Skateboarders are the industry. Experience, I guess, just because there's like, I've never seen like that many skaters in one place. Just like, it's like we it's take over the street. Today's guest, I'm really excited to talk to because you're in a whole world that I know nothing about. And I love guests that are like that because then I have so many questions and it's cool to like hear new stuff. So, Today's guest is Philip Deal, right? I said that right? Philip Deal, yeah. Perfect, man. And we've never met before. This is our first time meeting through Skype. Uh, have you ever been on a podcast before? I have been on a podcast before. Sick. Um, it's, yeah, it's great. It's awesome. Uh, do you remember Unregular Radio? Yeah. In Boston? Yeah, I used to be a guest frequently on there, and I really loved being recorded you know that's awesome <laughs> very cool all right so we're just gonna get into it i wrote it down a lot of notes and uh you've done a lot of stuff so i kind of wanted to start out with just um i read something that said you at 10 years old you went to nyc for jazz Is, did i get that correct yeah, so my mom and dad, they enrolled me in um, dance when I was a kid, uh, dance and gymnastics. And uh, I joined a dance company, dance competition uh, team like a lot of boys do these days. <laughs> and um, was scouted by this guy named Frank Hatchett, who 
was this really great jazz master, and he invited me to come up to New York and train with him, and I did, and thank God my mom and my dad thought it was valuable enough for me to actually get to New York to further my career, so I did. I've been dancing since I was four, and I'm 35, so I have a dance career that spans long time yeah it seems like that's your foundation like when i read when i read i believe i read your bio and it was just like you've done a lot in dance which is amazing for sure i got questions though 10 yeah. years old going to new york with someone did you live in new york where were you, where were you coming from your parents were okay with it just out of curiosity <laughs> you there philip yeah, I kind of broke up. No, that's fine. We're good. It was only a second. So, did you? Where'd you go from? Where'd you travel from to go to New York and train with the dancing? So I was born in uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia. Awesome. And I started taking dance and gymnastics and um, ballet and stuff when I was in Virginia. And uh, so I went from Virginia Beach, Virginia to New York, and my mom and I would drive up for like four days at a time to stay in New York and then we drive home and then we'd go back and we did that for like four months back in like what, 1990? Yeah. That's cool. It's so rad that your mom was down. Um, She was just down for it? My grandmother and I were really close um, when I was a little boy. Um, She died when I was 10, so that is kind of like around 1990. And my grandmother saw that I had talent and... She told my mother before she died, you know, don't let the boy stop dancing and do whatever you have to do to make sure that he keeps dancing. And so, wow, wow. yeah, so my mom, I think, really took that seriously. And my dad did, too. And my dad really didn't have a big hand in my dance career. But I mean, he financed it. You know, he blessed it. He sent us forward. And so I just kept doing it. Wow. That's awesome, man. Uh, I guess I this leads me right to the next question. You're 10 years old. How do you have, like, this focus and drive? Like, where did that come from? Are your parents, like, did did that come from them or how, your grandmother or? No, I just, I loved what I did. So I just, I did it and I did the hell out of it. I, um, I never thought it was work. <laughs> I just did it and no one had to tell me to do it. Like, I just, I wanted to dance and that's what I did. My parents asked me, do you want to do this or do you not want to do this? Do you want to go to New York? Do you not want to go to New York? And I was down for it and I went and I just, I just did it. I didn't even think about it. I just did it. That's awesome, man. That's kind of like with skating with me. When I found skateboarding, it was like not even a question whether I was going to not do it or do it. It was just like, I need to do this. And it was like fun and I just hung on to it. So it's cool that you found that at 10. For me, it was like 13 when I found that. That's cool. So I'm guessing uh your mom was like had the free time to do that. That's amazing. And uh did you guys had you guys ever been to New York before that? That was my first time to New York. My dad um had a business uh where he detailed cars. He like did window tinning and striped cars and did all kinds of, you know, cool designs and stuff. So he made a decent income. And uh, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, so she had nothing to do, so she poured her energy into me. Damn, that's so cool, man. That's really awesome. Um, I don't know, I guess, because I really want to get to know my guests, so I don't know if you've listened to any of my other podcasts, but my backstory is I grew up from a broken family. Like, father passed away when I was young, and my mom, you know, had 
issues, substance abuse issues that she worked through or that she's working through. And uh, so to me, I that's amazing that your mom was able to put that energy into it and that your father was able to fund it and also support it. Like to me, that's like um, American dream status. You know what I mean? Well, my mom and my dad had me really late in life. Um, my mom and my dad were in their late thirties when they gave birth to me. Wow. So they had already had, and they got married when they were young. So they already had this entire life together before I came along. Um, so my dad, you know, he's, he's older now. He's older. He's in his seventies. Yeah. Um, so I don't really think that my story is, it's my story is unique in the fact that my parents pretty much had the first 35 years of their life, you know, to, you know, live their life, do their thing, get married, be married for a long period of time. And so then when I came along, it wasn't like there were any sacrifices that had to be made for me to do what I did. Yeah, that seems like the smart way to do it. Because I, where, I, where I grew up was a lot of people that rushed into having kids and they were actually still kids. So it's like they're bringing life into this world while they're still trying to like they're not that established yet and they don't have things figured out, you know, and at sometimes at a negative. So it seems like that would be a good approach to kind of wait until you've fulfilled some of your life and understood yourself, got some experience and then bring life in. I think that's a very cool thing to do. Um, I wanted to move along. Sorry. <laughs> um, you also did, did you do ballet in Washington, D.C.? Yeah, so I was in this dance company and this uh, competition company when I was a kid in this local dance studio until I was about 13 and a half years old. And then I ran into this guy um, at a competition who was really, really good. And his name was Rasta Thomas. He's one of the best male dancers in the world. Sick. And he uh, was going to this school in Washington, D.C. called the Kirov Academy of Ballet. And he just randomly said, yo, dude, you know, you're pretty good at what you do. You should come audition. And and I said, OK, well, that's a good idea. So I went and auditioned and I just happened to make it in. And then after I made it in, my mom and my dad, of course, being older and not having money like they're rich or anything, but like being settled, yeah. Um, said, yeah, we'll send you to this school. And I ended up living in D.C. for four years and touring all over the country with this uh, this company. Wow, that's amazing. First off, D.C. is wild. Like, it's beautiful and it's wild and it's crazy. Like, I was there for Go Skate Day a couple years ago and there was just hundreds of kids that would just mob through D.C. Like, it was insane. Um, I, I, I guess I want to kind of stop you right here and ask you about um, doing ballet and dance and if you ever had any, like, hazing because you're a male and it's not, like, the conventional, like, sports or whatever the fuck it is. Like... Do you ever? Have, oh yeah. Do do you oh, ever yeah. have to deal with any of that shit? So I, oh, you know, thank you for asking that question. I don't think anyone has ever posed that question to me like that before. I mean to be respectful, like I said in the beginning. Like I don't mean. I'm just asking because I would like to see hear what that's about. <laughs> so when I was dancing back in the day, and we're talking like what, 1985, 88. 86, 87, yeah. you know, late 80s, there weren't a lot of guys that danced, Yeah, you know, not like now. I mean, you turn on So You Think You Can Dance or Dancing with the Stars and you, you see television shows and 
you know, there's fucking Channing Tatum, Magic Mike, he's busting a move and stripping <laughs> on in a movie, you know, there's all these guys that dance. Yeah. And, and back in the day, in the urban environments, there weren't a lot of guys that danced, you know, like in fucking Norfolk, Virginia, like if you danced, you were gay, you know, like it was just like something you don't do. Yeah. And so like my first hazing experience, I guess, is that being the only dance studio with 300 other girls and you're the only guy, that's a big hazing experience because (laughs) you're you're realizing like i'm the only dude here and there's all these women around me yeah you know and even though i knew there were other boys dancing at other schools um it was still difficult to be the only male dancer in that studio then when i got into the kirov academy in washington dc the cultures changed because the small dance studios that you dance in when you're a kid, you know, are one thing. But when you go to like a professional finishing academy, like a real art school, yeah, then you're finally around a whole bunch of kids that are on your level. And the guys there, um, because there were equal parts girls and guys, probably like 40 guys, 40 girls that are accepted into the school every year. Um, they just kind of looked at me like, dude, you you're going to prove yourself like yeah you're going to have to like prove yourself if you're going to be a part of this whole school so yeah i did like not heavy phasing or anything but i definitely had to overcome difficulties in proving myself yeah we kind of have that in skateboarding it's because people are like the people that invest their life into their art they're kind of protective of it so you have to prove that you like you're on the same mind like the same wavelength kind of you know what i mean I think that's, like, what you're talking about, maybe? (laughs) Yeah, that, I mean, and also, you know, you have to meet a certain aesthetic. You have to look a certain way. You have to walk a certain way, act a certain way. You have to um, be able to kick your leg as high as the next guy. you got to be able to jump as high as the next guy. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Skills. It it (laughs) takes skills, and I had to build those skills to prove myself. Man, I can totally understand, too, being surrounded by women as a dude because I grew up with my mom and three sisters, so I was always around girls. <laughs> I know, and now that I'm a pole dancer and I teach pole fitness, I'm once again surrounded by women everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's brave. I think it's maybe, I don't know if brave is the right word, but it's cool to like not let anything phase you and to do something you enjoy. You know what I mean? Like, even if it doesn't fit the stereotype or the role or whatever, it's cool to like, you know, I think it's a unique position to be like outnumbered. I like being the outcast or the, you know what I mean? I don't know. That's why I used to, that's why I got into skating. It was for the misfits and like the people that were different when, when, when I first got into it. I have always been on the outside looking in in my life. I've always I've always felt that I was different. I always felt that I was weird, strange, bizarre. I'm sure you're going to ask me those questions coming soon. <laughs> um, but yeah, I always felt like I was um, always going uphill or against the grain to what everybody else wanted me to do. And so yeah. it's the same thing. That could drive you for sure. That could be a driving force. I, I had that a lot when I was growing up because I grew up in poverty. So I just always, and I went to public school and, you know, some were nicer than others. And I just saw the majority of kids and people were like, they had family structure and stuff that I was lacking. 
So like I always felt like I was fighting uphill because I felt like I was at a negative and I needed to get to a positive and it took like hard work and it, well, basically it's rad when you can find something like dance or pole dancing or whatever, skateboarding, whatever silly thing it is that can give you that discipline and that focus and that drive and that self-worth and things that you can put apply to that obstacle, you know. It's cool that you found it at 10. I'm jealous. <laughs> well, you know, I'm not... I didn't say that my family isn't fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't say that my my family's perfect or doesn't have issues cuz they do. Yeah. But um you know I I get you. I get you. I'm yeah, right I there. Th- I think I think all families do on some level, you know, and it's um yeah, it's cool to to be able to understand that. Okay, um we're going to move along. <laughs> I wrote down, I just wrote down soloist in the nutcracker. <laughs> Maybe you can fill us in on that one. So the first year that I was at the, um, the Kirov, um, they, every single year, um, well, they used to, I, I don't know what they do now. And we're talking about like the early to mid nineties. Yeah. Um, they used to bring over the Kirov ballet troupe from Russia, um, half of them and they would perform with all the students from uh, my academy and we would go on tour and we would go on tour like to California, Florida, some major cities, blah, blah, blah. And we would do the Nutcracker Ballet. So we would actually go on tour. And um, I actually was the Nutcracker doll (laughs) on tour. So whenever you watch the Nutcracker, I mean, anybody, any of your podcasters ever, have ever seen the ballet, the Nutcracker. Whenever the Nutcracker doll kills and defeats the uh, the Mouse King and he turns into the Prince, well, when I was a kid, I was I played the Nutcracker doll, killed the Mouse King, and then the stars would come on stage and replace me. And wow, blah, so blah, blah, do you blah. think it's on YouTube? It's gotta be. It's you know what that stuff is so old. Like I'd have to go through my videos and I'd have to find it and I'd have to put it on YouTube. You know, it's. It's a it's a lot of work, but well, if you get time, then you should, because I would love to watch that. I actually now I know I, I need to. There's so <laughs> many videos I have of myself dancing in like like in really nice places, like the Grand Ole Opry. Like I tap dance at the Grand Ole Opry. Wow. I have it on video somewhere, but it's buried in my mother's house. Oh man, you box. gotta go. You gotta go because you gotta share all that. That stuff is. I know. Like I I could get into dance because if I saw that, I'd be like. Oh. Well, maybe I want to dance. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I had a question, though. So that must have been sick because you met a bunch of pe- – you got, like, cult- culture crash kind of with, like, the people coming from Russia, and you got to, like, mingle with that. What was that like? So the Kirov Academy of Ballet, uh, the school that I went to, it was a high school, and it was an international high school where they um, auditioned kids from all over the place and they would pick the best and they would bring them. I went to school, high school with kids from South Korea, from Venezuela, from Romania, from Russia, from like all over the world, mainly South America, South Korea, and then also the Ukraine and Russia. So I went to school with a lot of foreign students. Dang, that's so cool. So many perspectives. That's insane. Yeah, and it was insane because, like, probably 25% of the kids at the Kirov were American, but then the rest of them did make up 
a large group of kids from the rest of the world. So I learned a lot about other people's cultures. Yeah, that's so cool. That's like, um, that gives you a nice world perspective. You can kind of look at things from different angles. Like traveling with skateboarding did that for me. I got to go to, go to different countries and meet the people. And I got to realize that people are pretty much the same, you know, like we all feel the same and, you know, everyone cries when something's said, you know what I mean? So, when you get a meet, like, you know, in America, there's a lot of places that there's not too much diversity, you know, and there are cities that are super diverse, like New York is one of them for sure. Um, but that's cool to be experiencing that as your, would, would you say, how old were you when you experienced that? Well, I was 13 turning 14 and I was there until I was 17, 13, 14, 15, 16. Yeah. So I was good. I was there for a good four years with those people. Wow. Yeah. So cool, man. That's really, really and cool. and all my teachers were Russian, so they hardly spoke English. Like I had to learn, I had to learn how to follow directions from people that I didn't understand anything they were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so that was something else. Good, you just had to hang on and just try to guess for a while. And and mean motherfuckers too. They came over if you did if you didn't get your leg high enough, they would slap it like boom I mean, <laughs> these people would punch you like yeah russians serious from what i'm gathering is russians are very very uh they're a strong breed of people and very uh very mean <laughs> at times they uh there were no joke like it was like you either get it right or like you get out of here damn so yeah it That's, was so you made you made it through that congratulations i didn't really have a great relationship with my father growing up like our relationship was always kind of like you know didn't have a great relationship with my dad, but yeah. Mr. Uh, Vladimir Julakatsi, who was my ballet instructor for four years at the Kurov, I, he was the guy that actually taught me what it meant to be a man. Like, he was my father figure. He took me on, um, and he trained me. Not only did he train me, but he coached me for international competitions and stuff, and he was just such a, a strong powerful masculine individual and he was able to be like stand up straight get your head up you know <laughs> chest out cock forward you know get your shit together you know you gotta like you handle know, it just you gotta it. handle it right exactly yeah and that was that was the guy who really taught me how to like grow up you know and really be like a man you know i have to hand it to my Russian teacher. I mean, he was fucking like Hitler, but at the same time, <laughs> he was manly man. <laughs> he he was yeah, he was a manly man. He was no joke. Like you wouldn't want to get in a fight with him. It's funny because <laughs> that's like what took a that's what took us into like you know that aggression helped us progress as people. You know, we might not need it as much now, but that aggression and that like do or die that like you get you you have to make it happen that that helped us progress for a long time. So it's it's. We hung on to that quality for a while. I, I actually learned that lesson through music. Um, you can't really see, but in the background, I have my first pro board. It's the rose that grew through concrete, and it's a poem from Tupac. And I kind of, like, Tupac was, like, my father figure. Hip-hop, like, Jay-Z. These dudes that just, like, came from similar backgrounds where it was just, like, a lot of not happy faces and just struggling, trying to figure shit out. And uh, I don't know they gave that to me, too, where it was like, you know, you just got to make it happen sometimes, like brute strength and just whatever, push forward somehow, you know, like that's a that's rad. That's cool that you got that from a, a Russian man. <laughs> yeah, it was like, you know, nut up or shut up. Dude. You know, either 
you either pull it together or fail. And failure was never a word that I ever wanted to have in my vocabulary. I didn't want to fail yeah. life. I you mean, know? that pressure can make diamonds, you know? No lie. It can make diamonds, but at the same time, it can it can break a lot of people too. And I saw a lot of guys my age like cracking under the pressure of being able to perform at the at the level that they wanted us to perform at. Yeah, you know. Well, the things you guys do, like in, when I say you guys, I mean like my my fiance Dash and and you. You guys that do like pole dancing and dance and all this stuff. It takes like. Um, some you guys have to be very precise and focused and like with with like what I do with skateboarding in my art it's more about like freestyling and like you know it's not as precise like I especially dance in uh choreography right you do that as well yeah i mean you know when when trained eyes are looking at you they're looking at specific technique it's like the olympics you yeah. know they're looking for a specific thing they're looking for pointed toes, straight legs. They're looking for accuracy and um, efficiency, and they're looking for um, strength, and they're looking for flexibility. And so there's there's so many requirements that come along with being a dancer or you know being in pole that I, and I'm I see I'm ignorant too, and I don't want to say anything that's going to offend you. Oh, like okay. when I when I watch guys that like skate. Or parkour because I do parkour too um, and free running and I'm very very bad at it but when I see these guys who are able to just transverse like you know like just move their bodies and just flow you know yeah. through the air as they're getting from one place to the other I think I'm like too uptight to be able to let go and do that because I'm so used to structure and you know Dash and me we're, we're very regimented you know yeah um and that, it, you know, it's exhausting to have to be that stressed out about something. It would be nice to be a little bit more relaxed about. Well, that's know. that's what you have to do on your own time is, like, create art where you're just, like, experimenting. It's two different approaches. Like, in skateboarding, what I say is, like, um, we're trying to get the same outcome with anyone with their art. But I think our approach in skateboarding is, like, make all the mistakes and play with this piece of wood and wheels until you find ways that work for you to get it right. That's why there's so many different styles and flavors in skateboarding. Like, you you know, and it's I like that it's accepted by, like, we try, I try to be really accepting of all, everybody, r- whether gender, sexual preference, like, skin color, age, even age. I try to, if someone's interested in skateboarding, to me, I'm like, that means they want to have fun and learn and progress and, like, so, uh, but, yeah, it's different approaches. Where you we're approach with the dance, it's more like, you got to remember this. Don't make mistakes. And skateboarding is like, make all the mistakes till you find what works for you. And then, you know, then just create art with what works for you. Well, see, the thing is about me, like, I was trained classical ballet. Like, that was my thing. Like, from ages of 5 to, like, 19, everything I did was extremely structured. Yeah. Um, And then when I was in my 20s, I got into modern dance and contemporary dance and in modern dance it's a complete opposite it's like what you're talking about it's about expression it's not so much about form but it's about um free movement and allowing your body to go where it wants to go yeah momentum and that's when i really started to get into like free movement instead of regimented like olympian quality yeah kind of style dance and um 
And I actually got into pole dancing and pole fitness because I was a stripper. So don't ask me why at the age of 28, I decided that I wanted to become a stripper and I no longer wanted to become a, I no, wanted, I no longer wanted to be a ballet dancer. And that was a very free, open, sexually liberating, fun thing to do. But then I got into pole fitness and then once again, it becomes structured and gymnastic yeah. and trained and everything. And I don't want to go too far off your uh, notes. No, you're a so. I'm, I'm right with you right now. I, uh, I got questions. <laughs> always, <laughs> okay. always questions. I want to understand. And, uh, first I totally follow that logic because it makes sense that you would go to a strip club and it'd be free, a wild environment where it's the complete opposite of like, training and like it's i'm sure it's like a vacation almost <laughs> compared to like drills and working and especially at a young age like you know people go through times in their life where they just you know while out for lack of better words like <laughs> i used to drink a lot and while out and have crazy times and whatnot that environment in a strip club seems like that's kind of the environment um all right um mother how does she feel about that that you know, I don't really have the, I'm going to be totally honest, I don't really have the best relationship with my family, so even though she knows what I do, we don't talk about it, so it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, that's pretty much all I want to say about that. No, that's more than fine, man. Um, that's, that's, uh, moving forward from that to the, how do you go from pole dancing from a strip club to actually taking it as like an art because you you must how long did you do the pole dance at the strip club so um i got a job dancing in the club when i was working in charlotte north carolina uh I, are, are you going to ask me any questions about adult entertainment or we're not going to go there you can if you want. That's fine. I just want to get there organically because it's like it's nice to right. know like where's I understand. Yeah. I just because the whole thing is I have to bring that up in order for it to make context oh, for the please. context to make sense. Yeah, then please bring it up because that's okay. That's more than understandable. Okay, so I'm, <laughs> I'm hey hey I'm completely open minded and down for this. Like it's a life and you've lived it and it has value and you've done a lot of amazing shit and life is a journey, man. Like some people don't even stay on their paths. Like I know tons of people that are just strung out and lost and just don't even have a journey, you know, or don't understand that they have a journey. So let me put it this way at this point in time in the podcast. Yep. I got into adult entertainment and I got into the adult entertainment industry and ended up working for a website called Hot Cam Boys, which means uh, there was a whole bunch of guys living in a house and there were webcams running and I did webcam shows and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And when I moved down there, they said, you know, there's an opening up at the club. If you want to like dance, then you can like be a go-go boy stripper or whatever and you can make some extra money while you're working here. So I said, okay, you know, yeah, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> so I went down to the club and met the owner, and he was really nice. And uh, he said, you know, tonight just get up there and dance and show me what you ha- show me what you got. And um, I got up there and I danced, and 
you know, obviously I was good at what I did and I was hired on the spot. And so I ended up dancing on a pole from 10 p.m. till 3 a.m., six nights a week in Charlotte, North Carolina for a couple of months. (laughs) So I just, I, I like overnight became a male stripper and, uh, it was a lot of fun. Like, I'm not going (laughs) to lie. It was, it was a lot of fun. Like it was probably the, one of the best times I've ever had dancing because I danced and I danced for fun and no one was over my head yelling at me. No one was a cracking a whip over my back. I was just dancing. I was making money for dancing, and it was it was pretty sweet. Quick, I'm sorry. sad that I'm not a stripper anymore. Okay, sorry. <laughs> That's awesome to say that. Sorry to cut <laughs> you off. Sorry to cut you off. But um, everyone at us because I I, I want to break down stereotypes. Everyone at the strip club, did you were people respectful? Like, was it a healthier environment, or like, how do you feel about that? Because I know that people have preconceived notions about it. Well. The thing is, is that when I took my job, um, I took my job at a gay bar. This was um, a gay guy who bought a bar who um, it, it used to be a female strip club. It was a female strip club. Yeah. And he bought it and he turned it into kind of like a, a gay disco. And he kept the poles and he hired guys to be go-go dancers or strippers. Yeah. And then he had drag queens and whatever. And it was a it was a pretty cute little bar, um, and uh, and the interesting thing is that like to talk about stripper culture, like guys that strip, like Magic Mike guys or maybe guys that dance in gay bars or go go boys or whatever. There's kind of like a brotherhood when you're dancing in clubs. Like everybody's cool, everybody's down, nobody wants to cause any trouble. Um, everybody wants to say, Hey, can you do this? Can you do that? Look at me. I can do this spin. I want to teach you how to do this. I want to teach you how to do the flag, like blah, blah, blah. So it's very supportive. Yeah, that's, um, it's very open. Um, strip club culture in the female world is much more competitive because women are trying to make a lot more money than guys are. Like I never walked out with more than $250 three hundred dollars a night stripping and women will walk out with like a grand yeah yeah. you know so it was it's very competitive for women and women also are they're just different animals than we are you know we did what we did for fun and you know i would i'd buy my 7-eleven big gulp cup go in drink my coke and at the end of the night, take all of the dollars and the 20s and the fives and whatever I made and just stuff them into that big gulp, you know, when I was walking out the door, had all my money in a fucking big gulp cup, you know, <laughs> and would leave. Um, and it was, it was great. It was fun. It's a, it's a different culture. Men and male strip culture and female strip culture are different. Very different. Men support each other. Women don't. Yeah, that's cool that you're telling me, because I had no clue. Consider me a blank slate, man. Like, I mean, I've never been in a gay club, <laughs> but that's cool to know that that's like that. It seems like a healthier environment, for sure, than most regular strip clubs. Like, not regular, lack, sorry for the lack of good word, but uh, like a... Straight, or straight girl strip clubs. Yeah, thank you, thank you. <laughs> it seems like a different atmosphere, which is very cool, man. Um... 
where is it going? Oh, uh, I think you kind of touched on it a little bit, but uh, we'll keep on with this theme. So I want to ask you more about the reality webcam show because that seems crazy. Like you're all in the same house and everyone's making money and it's just like you're just doing what you got to do or whatever. Everyone's having fun. It's like college or something. <laughs> you know, can I go back? I need to rewind. Yeah, please do. Please do. I need because, again, this is a backstory. And unless you know the backstory, then this is not going to. Is it going to fly? Yeah, that's fine. So in 2008, um, I had ended a really, I don't know, bad relationship. Yeah. And um, my entire 20s, I had always wanted to um, do porn. I always wanted to be in adult entertainment. And I was 28, but I still looked very young um, at the time. And I decided that I wanted to go on Xtube and make a video. So I kind of made a video of myself jerking off. Um, were you, were you I, scared? Were you scared to do that? I feel like I would freak out. <laughs> I'm so insecure, man. I'd be like, I'm scary. I'm scary. <laughs> no, you know, my attitude was, look, I'm 28. I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> Tomorrow I'm going to wake up. I'm going to be 40. I think I should videotape myself now. While I still have a decent looking cock that can get hard and come and just put it out there and see what happens. Um, so I made this X2 video and I put it up um, and whatever, like left three days later, I came back to see if anybody had even watched the video and it had like 50,000 hits on it. Holy shit. <laughs> You're like, Wow. <laughs> My my jerk off video went viral. Your jerk off video is is valuable. Good for you. I and don't think it, mine would be. <laughs> I don't know. It just depends. Nice. And so nice. <laughs> so I so I kept getting more and more hits. Like it went from fifty thousand to hundred thousand to like a hundred and fifty thousand, and I started wow. racking up like mass views on like my video. And people were, like, friending me. Like, I had, like, 5,000 friends on Facebook, and it was crazy. And I kind of became this amateur porn star. And at one point in time, I was the most viewed Xtube user on Xtube. And I actually won an award with Xtube for best video of the year. Wow. Um, and so I kind of, like, became this amateur porn star and um, and rode that for a while with this whole like thing it was this like entire thing and um that's what actually got me the job working at this cam this cam house because what we would do at the cam house is you could live there for free yeah um but that's you would have to do three three two hour long um web chat sessions uh with like hundreds of people at a time so i would get online, I would do my show, two hours, I would talk to people, take off my clothes, jerk off, blah, 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 I'd shower for them, I'd do whatever they want wow. for two hours, and I would do that three times a week, and I got free room and board, and then, of course, I stripped, so that was the hot camboy's house, yeah. Wow, that's... There you go. You just you just tripped me out, because when you were saying that, <laughs> I'm picturing, like, avatars, like, because people are, you have an audience... <laughs> And you're just putting on a show through <laughs> through the computer, I'm guessing. Like, that's insane to me. That's like, I've never really thought of that before. 
Yeah, it's just like being a webcam model. You know, I don't, I don't know if you've ever been to Pornhub or Xtube or any of those two sites that are live jasmine that have, uh, you know, people who are modeling live that will talk to you, chat with you live, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but oh, no. that's, yeah, so that's what I did. I worked for a site that had featured models and people would join the site and they would come in and they would chat with the live models. Do you and, think, do you think they asked you, they wanted you because you had a big audience from your viral video? They did want me because I had a big audience and not just from one video, from multiple videos. So I kind of like created this mini persona online for a while. Yeah, you had a following already. So it makes sense to like, you, you have eyes so they could bring it over to your site, you know? That's a. Yeah, I was, I was like, uh, what do you call those, those people, those Chris Crockers and, uh, Matthew Lushes? I was kind of like, just like, you know, uh, random internet celebrity at the time, I guess. Internet celebrity. <laughs> kind of crazy to think of it that way. Um, yeah, it is. And if I had a dollar for every motherfucker that, like, jerked off to one of my videos, I'd be a millionaire. <laughs> and that pisses me off well, beyond all belief. It didn't happen because you might not be podcasting with me. <laughs> you might be <laughs> yeah. too busy. Sorry. <laughs> um, all right, we got a lot to talk about still. So. Okay, keep, keep going, keep going. Cool, cool, cool. Um, all right, uh, hot, you, you studied with someone who taught hot nude, nude yoga, correct? Yeah, so, um, back in the 90s and the 2000s, uh, there was this guy named Aaron Starr, and Aaron Starr was this man who was very interested in tantra or tantric yoga, which is a more erotic sensual side of yoga than just like you know going to the ymca and he made a lot of dvds he made like five dvd series of hot tantric yoga and it was in a hot room and it was guys and they were nude and practiced yoga stretching and everything but then also added eroticism to it i was able to meet him and i trained with him and um i i kind of like continued to teach that because i was already a yoga person i was already a certified yoga instructor i think there was a tipping point when i was 28 just to go back to this um when i was 28 there was a tipping point when i no longer wanted to follow the rules anymore i was i was done with it like i imagine growing up with that like even you dealt with russians (laughs) rigid rigid russians so yeah i understand that my parents were also extremely conservative christian people who had a very low, um, they, 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 you know, it was like, I lived in a very sex negative household, you know, sex was something that was bad, something that was dirty, something you shouldn't do. Um, sex should only be performed between one man and one woman in the missionary style. There was like nothing, you know, it was, it was it. And at some point in time, I rebelled against that. And I was like, you know, fuck this. I'm going to do what I want with who I want, whenever I want. And if I want to take off my clothes and I want to show my body to the world, I'm going to do it. And 
boom, there you go. And I don't see that as a problem. I just think um, what people worry about with that is that like that unhealthy lifestyle that can come from that as far as like, you know, uh, people just worry, you know what I mean? Like, it, but if it's done healthy and like in a way that, you know, people are respected and like the way you described the strip club sound like a safe environment and you had people that had your back and you guys were like, it sa- doesn't sound like the stereotypes that people would expect. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't see it as a problem at all. Well, you know, most of the most successful women I know who are strippers in clubs are lesbians. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, there, I have a lot of lesbian female friends and they strip and, uh, they live their life and they make a lot of good money from dancing in the club and they're fine and they live their life and they're all good. They're all set. There's no problems. No one's upset. Yeah. You know, there's, and then you have these shit show women who show up who have like, two kids and have nowhere to live and the mother watches the kids while she dances and like the 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 father is like a drug addict and there's all this stuff yeah you know so it's the same thing in the porn industry in the porn industry you know you have women who sign contracts with decent companies like playboy and um hustler and uh digital playground and um you know all of these different professional companies and they work as professional models and they have great lives and then you have these people that like are basically prostitutes that you know can't help themselves and the only way they can make a dollar is by doing porn and it's very clear when you watch different videos like if you're an advocate of Pornhub and I watch Pornhub all the time you know you can clearly see the difference between professional models and people who are like not professional models. Yeah. Do you think, I got a question, do you think if they just legalize prostitution that, like, brands could, like, develop and do it in a healthy way where it's, like, instead of, like, making it, like, a um, hidden, secret, dirty thing that's illegal, it's kind of like what they did with marijuana and they used to do it with alcohol. It's like you, you make it this forbidden fruit thing and then, like, it gets all the the negatives that come? Like, do you think if they just legalized prostitution, it would be, like, better off? Okay, so if they legalized prostitution, then prostitutes across the country would start unions. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, yeah, the legalization of prostitution would be a benefit to everyone. I mean, I'm a sex worker. I'm in a form... In a form, I'm not a prostitute. Yeah. Um, I would put myself in the sex worker genre because not only do I do pornography, or I prefer to call it adult entertainment. Pornography has kind of a negative connotation. Yeah. I like adult entertainer. You yeah, know, think, it's I much think, more sex positive. Yeah, because it was born with like those pre- preconceived notions that are attached with the word porn. Yeah, when you hear the word porn, you automatically think, like, I shouldn't, like, watch that. Yeah. Um, But if you think about, like, sex education or erotic videos or adult videos, then it sounds a lot more, like, healthy, like, normal. Like, yeah, yeah, people like sex. We want to watch it, so let's watch it. Yeah, yeah. Um, But um, I feel like if prostitution was legalized, that we would have a long way to go before people would be able to 
uh, live lives as sex um sex educators or sex workers and get like you know the rights yeah you know that we deserve you know what i mean yeah it's a long it's it's a long story it's a lot of stuff you're bringing up a lot of stuff <laughs> i'm a good interviewer is that what you're saying <laughs> yeah yes you're a very good interviewer but at the same time like a keg of worms yeah legalizing prostitution would be the ethical and right thing to do like legalizing marijuana because as far as i'm concerned if i'm 18 years old and you're 18 years old and i want to sell my body and you want to buy my body and the services i'm providing for you are safe sane and consensual yeah then there shouldn't be a problem and the idea that prostitution is something morally bad or wrong is a completely christian concept yeah i was you gonna know say, i was gonna say and, um, and it just needs to go. It's yeah. like we don't live in that world anymore. We're living in a different world. It's 2015. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was talking about with the technology. You were doing it, and it seemed like a healthy atmosphere. You're doing a web show, making money. You have you. I don't know what to call it. I won't say the talent, but I have I have a big cock. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. But but either way, that's what I sell every day. <laughs> I love the honesty. Um, but, but but you're blessed. So so why not? It's America. We're founded in America where, like, you know, people want to make a profit. And if it can be done in a healthy, happy way and you can and you don't mind it or enjoy it, like skateboarding is as weird as anything. You know what I mean? Like I played with a skateboard piece of wood and wheels for most of my life. Like since I was 13 to 32, I was a pro skateboarder and I just went around the world and did what I enjoyed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like skateboarding, like whatever. It brings me pleasure. Like, but people frowned on that. You know what I mean? Like they're like, ugh, you need to get a normal job. Right. Those like religious beliefs are like those things that helped us to get to where we are now. I feel like we have to let go of some of these traditions and beliefs that we helped us get to where we are, but now we're not in that situation. Life is getting better for the most part, I'd hope. You know, on a general overall scale. You know what I mean? It's getting better, but at a very small pace. Slow rate. Slow rate. It's a very slow rate. But at the same time, what I have to say is I believe that in America, we're all free. And I believe we have the ability to make decisions. Yep. And I think that everyone should be able to do what they want. This is supposed to be a free country, but we can't do everything that we want to do. Okay. Yeah. yeah I so if it makes me happy... To be a hustler, yeah, and I, and I am a hustler. Believe me, I relate. If <laughs> if if it makes me happy to be a hustler, then I should be able to be a hustler and make my money and pay my taxes and live my life and not Fuck be it. bothered. Fuck yeah, not be bothered. <laughs> that's awesome. That I respect that as hell because that's like selling weed. If I if, if I want to be a dealer, if I want to buy weed from someone, be a carrier, and then be a seller to someone who wants to buy weed, if I mean, I don't even smoke weed, so I don't even know what anything that, you know, I'm just, I'm lame. I'm kind of lame. I'm not a, a pot smoker. But, like, if I wanted to do that, if I wanted to be a dealer, then I should be able to have a license to do that. And nobody should get in my fucking way. This is America. It's 2015. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I share the exact same beliefs. I love that. Um. <clears throat> And and I like it, man. I like everything that you're doing. Let me let me. I got more questions, so we're gonna keep going. <laughs> All right, keep going. All right. Um, parkour. I know you touched on it real quick. Um, 
Did you say you sucked at it, or did you say you can do it? I can do it. Yeah. But I'm not great at it. <laughs> um, I went and took a certification from USA Parkour, which is a subdivision of the World Free Running and Parkour Federation. Um, so parkour is the art of being able to get to point A to point B as quickly as possible and be able to overcome obstacles. Yeah. And it's really about being able to move through your, I guess, your terrain efficiently. Yeah. And I really love that. Uh, free running is a little bit different than parkour. Of course, the two words are interchangeable, but people that do free running are much more gymnastic. They do flips and tricks, and you see these people jumping off of buildings or it's kind of like jumping jumping from one building to the next, and it's pretty intense. You know, it's become an extreme sport. Yeah, I was gonna say it reminds me of skating, like parkour and free running, because you know we do that. We go around and we skate big handrails or natural hits, yeah. and we learn how we learn our terrain and like um, we know our cities and new curbs and new spots, and <laughs> it seems really yeah. Incredible. And the beautiful thing about parkour and of course skating at the same time is like you can choose to what level you want to do that like if you want to skate and you want to play with skating you know you don't want to do all the crazy tricks everybody else can do but you still want to like play with skating it's okay yeah and it's the same thing with parkour like parkour is something you do just to do like parkour and skating and a couple of other sports that i can think of are things that you do just because you want to not because you're trying to win something yeah you know what i mean genius that's a perfect way to say it i was talking to my homie today about it i was like we have to keep skateboarding. We can't let it become a sport. I know that sounds bad, you know what I mean? I I can't And I like that some people approach skateboarding as a sport. I don't mind contests in skateboarding, but it has to be well-rounded. So like I think that you have to skateboarding has to be for everyone. So that means it has to be for the dude that's overweight and wants to do it, the gay dude, the straight dude, the female that wants to do it. Like it, it should cross all all those boundaries because skateboarding is something so simple and then you can apply your qualities to it. You can learn from it, you can put your energy into it and it'll humble you and restructure you again and again daily. So uh I'm a huge preacher of that, man. I'm like I love skateboarding so much. It, like, saved my life, you know what I mean? And it, more importantly, it's made my life because it saved it, and then now I've made a life from it. And I, I that's why I named my skateboard company All I Need. I talk about it on a lot of my podcasts but because um, uh, it's all I need. You know, it's something that I, it brings me so much joy. I built it into my life. Um, I feel the same way about three things. I feel the same way about parkour yeah. and pole dancing and just dance in general. I am not a fan and never will be in of competitions. I don't think competitions are good. I don't think competitions are healthy. I, yeah. I'm an artist. I'm an artist first. I understand why people compete. I understand why people create competitions. For one thing, it makes them money. It's yeah. something that makes money. I feel like competitions are something that is a you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like if, if, if you and I are both skateboarders and they tell us to freestyle, you know, and you got five people, subjective viewers watching us skate, when it comes down to the end of the day, it's like, well, who did they like? Not really who did it the best, you know, it's yeah. subjective. That's all. Awesome. Subjective. Same thing with dance or pole dancing. Like, 
you know, everyone's different. Everyone has a different style. Everyone has different techniques. Some people are larger. Some people are smaller. You've got dudes. You've got girls. Yeah. You know, it's it's very difficult to judge pole dancing competitions because, what well, what are you judging on? Are you judging on style? Are you judging on technique? Well, is this all about technique or is it all about style? And I don't – and it's the same thing with parkour. Or parkour was never meant to be a competitive sport, but people have made it a competitive sport. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I just, uh, I hate competitions. <laughs> I really do. It, I don't, it, I, but I, but I involve myself in them, but I hate them. Yeah. It's like a love hate relationship with these I, things. I, I, it's cause they try to box it up and sell it. So like competition is like, you're boxing up something that should be free. Do you know what I mean? Like, and you're trying to make it uniform for people to understand it. And it's hard when it's an art or or an expression because when you try to box things up and give it rules and shit, then that doesn't allow people with different expressions to to do well in it or to be a part of it. So like that bothers me too. You know, it's like that's why I keep saying skateboarding's for everybody. It should be free. You know what I mean? Everyone that wants to express themselves should be able to use the simple wooden wheels. You know what I mean? So when they try to turn it into competition, it's for a show and for profit and for. You know, that's why you're like most people that own the competitions. I actually run a competition um called the New England Am. I started it last year, and we're gonna have another one. And how I <clears throat> how I set it up was there's 14 and under, 15 and over, and then there's a skate shop uh, amateur division. And I have the kids come out, and they're in a they're in a group. So there's like three or four kids at a time, and they just session the skate park together. And then we have judges and uh. There's so many different obstacles, and it's so cool how many different styles of skateboarding comes. And then our judges were, like, these respected East Coast pros that grew up here, and, like, we had different flavors, you know, different style judges, and everyone could just kind of check it out. And uh, I just thought that was, like, the best approach because I'm like, you're not on the spot by yourself. we got to make sure the judges are diverse, and there's got to be tons of different obstacles. So, you know, there was transition, which are, like, quarter pipes. There's banks. There's rails. There's ledges. And you can have – your art in skateboarding could be on anything. Flat ground. There's tons of flat ground on the course. So it was like the sickest thing, you know? And it was more about having fun and, like, appreciating each other. So, like, the people that won got so much appreciation because everyone in skate – all the skaters were like, fuck yeah, you put something together. That was amazing. And it was three dudes that won, you know what I mean, um, as a team, which I thought was kind of cool, a different approach. <laughs> Um, you know, my idea of a competition is you and I are going to stand here and we're both going to pick up a 20 pound weight and you're going to throw the fucking weight and I'm going to throw the fucking weight Damn. and whoever throws that weight the farthest wins. Yeah. That's, that's what I consider a competition. Yeah. A competition is, okay, we're going to start on the same line after the gun blows Whoever gets to the finish line first is a winner. Yeah. That's a competition. Like it's it's really a, a, a kind of like, you know, um, a demonstration of strength or endurance. When you start doing skating or polling or dancing and you put that in a competition, everything starts to become subjective. It's not like yeah. this person proved that they were the most artistic on the skate. Yeah. Agreed. It, it's kind of like well, this person just happened to be, like, the hottest that day. 
You know what I mean? They just happen to hit what they hit that day. It's like who captured the moment the best, kind of. Right. Who who got the most screams? Who, you know, who really, like, just swagged it out? Yeah. You know? (laughs) And that's different. I mean, it's it's still called a competition, but you know, as long as it's done in the in the um, in the mind frame of being fun and enjoyable, then you know it's good. It's when when people start feeling bad about themselves. Yeah, that's that's when it's not sucks. good. That totally sucks. But that that's why I think I think skateboarding in any art should be for everyone because then that means if there's a composite competition side, that's fine. Those people that enjoy that can do that. And then if there's people like me, start like my own brand and sponsor kids and we do demos and tours and we make videos where kids get to film their own video parts and put their own music to it and express themselves, like then there's that side of it too. You know, there's room for every angle in this world. You know, we just all have to accept each other, I feel, and just but there's gotta be healthy balances. I got angry with skateboarding for a long time because it got too mainstream too many people involved were not skateboarders, and they were just doing it profit-driven. And now skateboarding is in a different area where skateboarders are taking on the responsibility, starting the brands, opening the shops, building the communities, like doing all the work it takes to have a healthy culture. And uh, I think it just takes maturity and understanding, you know? Um, I do have more stuff. I actually have... Yeah, okay, keep going then. Okay, okay cool. <laughs> um, Adam's like Adam likes apples. That was like... Oh, Jesus. That was your name? Okay, so, like I said earlier, when I got on Xtube and decided that I wanted to start jerking off in front of everybody, <laughs> for some reason, I picked the username Adam Likes Apples. I just thought it was a, a funny pun on Adam in the Garden of Eden. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and uh, And everybody started calling me Adam, so, like, I posted my videos, blah, blah, blah. Next thing I know, I've got all these comments. Adam, oh my God, post another video, blah, blah, blah. I got messages. Adam, hey, what are you doing? Nice to see you, blah, blah, blah. So I became Adam for like five years. Wow. That's like literally, <laughs> I became another person. <laughs> I would walk out on the street and people would recognize me and be like, yo, Adam, what's up? Okay. <laughs> awesome. It was nice being somebody else for a while. It's funny because that's like, I imagine what happens to like movie stars that their character becomes so rememberable. It's like, you're that character to a large portion of people. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I was. My my character was Adam and I played that character. And, yeah. um, and it was fun. I'm not going to lie. It was awesome. That's cool. Like, it, was, it was fun. <laughs> right, man. Um, all right. Um, there was something I was going to ask you if I can only remember. I'm not going to remember, so I'm going to skip it. Um, first, let me just say thank you so much for coming on my, on my podcast and like being brutally honest and expressing and talking about all this stuff because that's awesome, dude. I love conversation and like I'm I'm we're not that much different, you know what I mean? Like I went into this going these we're from different worlds and it's funny the more we talked, it's like no, we just have you know we're the same life, we just have different roads and it's like we still experience the same thing. So I appreciate you, you know, we don't know each other, so it's cool that you would want to come on a podcast, and uh, my viewers, my listeners, viewers, they don't, there's no video, it's just audio. My listeners are super cool, and I love all those dudes, and they'll be hyped to hear this conversation. And I said dudes by meaning like girls, everyone, I have a bunch of <laughs> people that listen to my podcast, because I try to have these types of conversations with people from all walks of life, so it's been amazing. Yeah, you know, the thing is, the only thing, I can I self- uh 
please self-promote for a second because uh, I, will, I have to self-promote. Please. Shamelessly, shamelessly self-promote. <laughs> I don't, um, as long as you're proud of it and you're hyped on it, do it. I am. No. Um, you know, all of the experiences I've had over my entire life have really come down to this. Like right now I'm training uh, and studying to become a personal trainer. Like I'm, I've always been in a gym and I love gyms and I want to help people get fit and healthy. Yeah. I'm, trying to help, I'm trying to get a certification for um, nutrition, you know, to help people out on their nutrition and my website and blog, um, philipdeal.com, really is about helping predominantly men to get into shape. You know, how to lose weight, how to eat healthier, how to feel good about themselves, oh. how to get in touch with their bodies. And that really is like my life. You know, my website really is my life. And so I know it might be a Adult, um, in nature, but, you know, I don't consider what I do pornography. I consider it to be adult sex education. So hopefully you'll include the link to my website when Dude, you, uh, post the website. Of course I will. That's awesome. Um, this kind of leads me to, uh, probably the last question. <laughs> and I'm really excited to ask it. How, since you consider yourself sex educating, how can you help me? What's some simple advice? So for for me, <laughs> you want me to give you some simple advice as a male to a male? Yeah, please. For sexual fitness, uh, I'm not afraid I'm, to just you. just to give a little bit of background because I don't because uh, people need to know. Yeah. Because um, I said it, but I didn't really say it. Is that what I sell myself as is a life coach, and what I sell myself as is um, a sexual fitness instructor. So I help men become more sexually fit. Sick. So. Um, if I could give you advice about how to have better sex for you, yeah, please. Um, make sure that you're getting enough sleep. Number one, I'm going to give you five things. The first one is you got to make sure that you sleep a lot, you know, really? because when you're not sleeping, you're not going to have the energy to have good sex. Yeah, and, and I'm lacking of sleep, but I need to get more sleep for sure. You know what that means? It means turning off the computer by like 10, 30, 11 o'clock and not getting back on it until you wake up the next morning. Yeah. Hell yeah. You know what I mean? Get off, get off Facebook. Get off your cell phone. Stop it. Just get off. You don't need it. Yeah, I've been learning you know, that. Just go to bed. Older. I've been learning that as I get older. It's like you got to kind of like, you can't get everything done in one day. Like I was saying that the other day. I was like, if I could just get three things done that help my brand a day. And that's awesome. I don't need to try to get it all done in one day. I can rest. I like that advice. Hydration. You have to drink a lot of fluid. You need to drink water. You need to drink fruit juice. You need to drink healthy tea, coffee without sugar and cream. You need to drink a lot of fluids and you know, most people don't drink enough water. Or most people drink soda, yep. but they don't drink, like, juice. They don't drink, like, smoothies. They don't drink uh, fresh, you know, vegetable juice. Yep. And so drinking fluid is also going to make your sex life better. That's Next awesome. thing, number three. Hold on, hold on. i got to interrupt you because I agree with you. I tell people all the time at skateboarding, I'm like, Make sure you have water because if you drink a lot of water, you'll stay hydrated. And as you're sweating and as you're working and you're putting energy in, 
you're going to be able to replenish the water. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it makes sense. If you're gas, if you're running low on gas, like, your body's made of mostly water. And I like that you're talking about adding, like, smoothies and other legit <laughs> stuff into your life. Next thing. Yeah, fruit. Fruit. And lots of fruit. you got to eat lots of fruit. Bananas, apples, oranges, grapes, raspberries, strawberries, mangoes, kiwi. Just uh, eat lots of good. fruit. you got to <laughs> eat the fruit. Yeah. Along with the water, you gotta eat the fresh fruit. Yeah. Alright, so anyway, number three is that you gotta exercise, you gotta get up, you gotta walk, you gotta go someplace, you gotta do something, you gotta walk, you gotta sprint, you gotta go take a yoga class, you gotta take a karate class, a Pilates class, you gotta put on, get on your board and you gotta skate, you gotta do something with yourself. Yeah. You gotta stay active. The day you become inactive is the day that your dick starts to not work anymore. So you gotta keep going yeah that's good advice to man I'll, I'll apply it to how i i don't apply it to my dick working but now i do but i apply it <laughs> but i apply it because i'm like if your heart's beating and you're using your adrenaline and you're sweating you feel fucking alive you know what i mean like if you're lethargic and lazy and you're not doing anything you don't have those height and feelings those emotions it comes from sweating and and being in a moment and exerting yourself genius right yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love you gotta you gotta boost those testosterone levels. Yeah, and those testosterone levels have to go high, and they're not gonna go high unless you exercise, unless you make them work. Yeah, that's that's that makes sense too. I never thought of it, but it makes sense. <laughs> Where are we at four? Yeah, hell yeah, I'm psyched for the last two. Okay, so um, masturbate in the morning or have sex first thing in the morning. Damn, really? Why is that? Because when you wake up in the morning, your testosterone levels are at their highest. And if you have sex first thing in the morning or you masturbate first thing in the morning, you're going to boost those testosterone levels as you get going in the morning. You just gave me a new hobby. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I can't um, wait till my girl listens to this podcast. Like, yeah, she's going to love it. friend, so it's be funny. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to ask her, too. All right. Um, <laughs> Set up a chart and we can get gold stars. I don't know. <laughs> so um, the last one is people might take offense to this or Fuck be weird about it. It's fine. Try to, try to move towards a more... Um, whole foods, plant-based diet. So, you know, if you're eating a lot of dairy and cheese and ice cream processed foods, if you're eating a lot of meat, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're going out to eat in restaurants and eating at the 99 and eating the buffalo wings and all that, you need to try to bring it back a little bit. You need to, you need to make healthier choices like drink coconut water, you know, instead of Coke. Maybe you need to like have some almond milk in your cereal instead of milk. Yeah. Maybe instead of eating that steak, you should have some fish. You know, you need to, like, make healthier choices in your life and stay away from sugar and stay away from processed food. If it comes out of a fast food uh, window, you do not need to be eating it. Yeah, it's because it's not so natural. and Maybe it's, like, gives too much of a boost to those certain, too many sugars, too many, like, of... It's all sugar. Yeah. It's all sugar. Yeah, and sugar's going to destroy you more than anything else. And inflammation... You know, those those processed foods, they, they accumulate in your body and it, it creates inflammation and that's where cancer comes from and heart disease and yeah. all kinds of problems. So just, you don't need it. You know, eat fresh fruit, eat an apple, eat a banana, eat yeah. some kiwis, go, you know, get some fresh meat from Whole Foods, you know, yeah. uh, 
make your own food. You know, don't go to fucking KFC, Taco Bell, McDonald's, Hardee's. Yeah. To eat I, your eat your meals. I like um you said about the coffee. Just have it black instead of the cream and the sugars. Um, I need to get better at that. I do drink a lot of black coffee, but I do like the sugars because it sweetens it. You know, I like the effects of the caffeine to be honest. But uh, um. Caffeine is good for you, and drinking coffee first thing in the morning is good for you. Um, it's better for you if you don't add all the cream and sugar. Yeah. So if you can get used to drinking that black coffee in the morning, like, you'll be on point. Like, I stopped putting sugar and cream in my coffee like six months ago. I feel so fucking good. Like, I wake up, I have my coffee, boom, I go. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It's funny, all the stuff you're saying kind of like just goes back to having appreciation towards life and for life and wanting it to to prosper. It's funny, my brand, I, I had a hashtag called Thrive Prosper Rise for, my, for all I need because that's like what I wanted. I wanted it to grow, which was like an, an analogy for life, you know, and for my brand and like just grow. Like we're all plants, so just like I look at that and... And I I look at us all like plants and like you're either growing or you're you're wilting, you know, and it's like you should try exactly. to exactly should try to persevere and grow and, and be beautiful. As beautiful as you can and express yourself and be happy. And Philip, you have been an awesome guest, man. I'm so thankful. Seriously. You're cool as hell too, and it was nice to <laughs> <laughs> um before we go, um you plug the website. if there's anything on Instagram, are you on Twitter, Facebook, any of that that you, and what's the names? All right, so if you go to my website, and I just want to say that my website is not safe for work, okay? It's an adult-oriented website. Yeah. If you go to philipdeal.com, you'll be able to follow me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Tumblr, on Google+, and all of those different places. So Perfect. That's a yeah. one-stop shop right there. It's a one-stop shop. It's everything. Hell yeah, man. You've lived an awesome life. How old are you? 35. Dang, you've lived an awesome life. You've condensed <laughs> it all into 35 years. That's amazing. Some people don't live that much. I'm hyped that you do. <laughs> and the same for you. I mean, we've we've been through a lot of stuff, and that's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, it gives you a lot of experience and perspectives. You can kind of see things from a lot of different angles. And I'm I'm looking forward to the future. <laughs> it's a good thing to say. <laughs> Me too. I'm you know I'm not afraid of the future. I'm moving forward. Hell yeah. Hang on, brothers and sisters. Liberation is near. It's almost time. To all my people, where you at? Put your fist up. We gon' twist up. Say, come on, come on. Experience the train. Hot boy. Come on. Experience rocking with the reflection.